Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. For more information about Adventure Church, please visit our website at adventurechurch.tv. Now, prepare your heart for a message from God's Word. So today we're going to talk about how can you have a successful marriage? How can you do this the right way? How can you have a marriage that does last, that those vows that you make at that altar will last forever? Because again, we're just so different. I think when you have those conflicts, it starts with things like the, the toilet seat, you know. By the way, I don't really understand that, that, you know, I get the guy's supposed to be the gentleman and he's supposed to open the door and do all those things. But why isn't it the woman's responsibility that when she's done, she flips the lid up, right? How did that ever happen? I just say, you sit down way longer, you know, you should flip it up for me when I come into the bathroom. That's how it should be. Didn't work that way in my house. I get yelled at for that. Cleaning up your clothes. You know, it starts with those small things when you, you start living together and get married. And then all of a sudden it's, how do you raise your kids? How do you handle your money? You get into those big issues, those challenging things. 50% of all marriages today in the church, outside of the church, end in divorce. Staggering statistic. Really, when you go into it, it's, it's kind of a coin flip on whether or not it's going to work out. And some of you, you may be here and going, you know, it, is it possible, you know, to even have a good marriage with the culture we're in, with the divorce rate, with all the stuff that's going on? Is it even possible to have a good marriage? And I would say, yes, it is possible, but it's not likely if you continue to do the same things that you've always done. I think if we want something different, maybe you've, you've heard this before, and depending on where you're at in your marriage today, that if you re- repeat the same thing over and over again and expect a different result, that definition is insanity, right? If you do the same thing over and over again, expect a different result, it's, it's not going to change. And so if you want the marriage you've never had, you're going to have to do some things that you've never done. And today we're going to talk about how do we have a marriage that will last forever? How can we make sure we don't become a statistic in our relationship and fall into that divorce? And so Paul, the Apostle Paul, he's a smart guy, and I figure you'd much rather have his advice on marriage than mine. And so today I'm going to read a little bit of a lengthy passage. It's found in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 33. And this is Paul's advice to married couples. He says this, And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's, a, that's an important thing right there. So, so you submit, you give sacrificially to your wife, you give sacrificially to your husband out of your reverence for, for Jesus. Not because of your reverence for them, but because you belong to Jesus and this is the way that, that we should live when we belong to him. He said, for wives, this means that you submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For husband is the head of, of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives must submit to your husbands in everything you do. And now, women, just give me a second. Paul wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't a dumb man. He goes on to, to say this. And so he says, yes, in, in anything, you know, in any relationship, in any organization, you kind of have to have someone who's leading the way, who takes the initiative. And, and spiritually speaking here, Paul doesn't say that you leave your wife out of the equation. That would be, that would be a bad decision. And Paul had been married before, so he gets that. I don't make any decisions without my wife being involved in that. But he's saying here is as, as a spiritual father leader in your family that it's your responsibility to take the initiative when it comes to the spiritual things in your family, to be the leader of your family, to lead your family where God wants it to be. So he says that. So And he says when you do that, wives, you should submit to your husband's leadership. But he said this is the way the husband should lead. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. 
He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church, and we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and, and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and, he must, and the wife must respect her husband. Now, how many of you ladies would say, if my husband would love me and care for me and lead me, like Jesus led the church, sacrificially laying down his life, putting uh, my needs above his own. That's what Jesus did. That's the type of leader he was. And so Paul is saying here, husband, you're to lead your family, but this is how you're supposed to lead. And when you lead this way, your wife will respect you because you're sacrificially serving her. You're sacrificially giving of yourself for her, putting her needs above your own. And so that's how he sets it up. He says, man, yes, you are supposed to lead that relationship. You should initiate the things of God in that. You should be pushing forward when it comes to your family. How are we gonna raise these kids? Setting the tone for your family, but you are to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And women, when they do that, and they're in line with God, and they're leading in that way, then you should respect him and respect his leadership. You know, when we all got married, and depending on your wedding, you, you have vows. And I love allowing people. You know, people always kind of say, hey, what kind of vows do you have? I say, it's up to you what kind of vows you want to say. Yesterday, I was looking at videos, and there was a, a girl who was very talented, and she sang a song that she wrote for her husband when it came to her vows. I thought that was kind of cool. So people do it a unique way, but it kind of takes on this thing. It's, it, it, they all kind of summarize the same way. But the vows that you make at the altar is this. I blank, take you blank. If you have your husband today, why don't you look at him right now? Let's just remember, let's all go back to however many years ago it was where you said that, you looked him in the eye, I take you to be my husband, take you to be my wife, my constant friend, my faithful partner, and my love. In the presence of God, of our families and friends, I offer you my solemn vow to be your faithful partner in sickness and in health, in good times and in bad, in joy as well as sorrow. From this day forward, I promise to love you unconditionally, to support you in your goals, to honor and respect you, to laugh with you, to cry with you, and to cherish you for as long as we both shall live, or until death do us part. And then you say, so help me, God. Those are the vows we make. That's the commitment we make at the altar. It's a very spiritual thing where the Bible says the two become one. You come down to the front of a church. You stand there in front of everyone, all of your closest family and your friends. You're, you're, all those people are there in front of God, in front of the pastor, whoever's doing that. And you make that deep commitment. It's the biggest commitment outside of your commitment to Christ that you'll ever make. But half of them end in divorce. Half of them say, you know what? I'm, I'm not feeling it anymore. I'm out. This isn't going right. I'm not going to be solely committed to you. They, they commit adultery. They cheat. So why is this happening? What do we need to do to make sure we can fail-proof our marriage? And today I want to encourage you that no matter where your marriage is at right now, that from this day forward, this day, today, that it can be different if you commit to do things the right way. If you commit to love the way that Paul tells us to love, to serve the way Paul tells us to serve, to respect 
the way Paul tells us to respect. So how do we do that? Four ways today, I believe, that you can fail-proof your marriage. And the first one is very simple, is you need to seek God individually, and you need to seek God together. Verse 21 in Ephesians said, and further submit to one another out of your reverence for Christ. That's the thing we always have to remember, and this has been in every message so far in this series, no matter where you're at in your relationship status, that you have to realize is that Jesus is the one who completes you. Your spouse will compliment you. They are a partner to you, but they do not complete you. Jesus is the only one who can fulfill you in that way. And so we have to always remember that God is our number one and our spouse is our number two. Our spouse is our number two. We have to seek God first and foremost for yourself and for your marriage, for your relationship. You should be praying for your wife and your husband. You should be seeking God on their behalf. And then you need to seek God together. Matthew 22, 37 through 39 says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commitment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your spouse as yourself. Whoever that be. We have to get it in that order. So if you are here today and you are hoping to marry, I would tell you, you need to seek the one today. Seek God. Seek the one for your life, the one who can give that direction while preparing for your two. God is one, your spouse is two. If you're already married, you have to make a commitment to say, I will always seek the one with my two, together, seeking God together. How do we seek God? I think you, we first of all need to, to pray alone every day. If you don't have that kind of relationship, you need to start that. You seek God alone, praying to God, asking him to be involved in your day, praying for your spouse, praying for your kids, whatever that may be. Then you need to pray together every day. I think you should pray together with your spouse And here is why. According to a family life survey, fewer than 8% of Christian couples actually pray together on a regular basis. Fewer than 8%. But here's what they found out. Of the couples that do pray together, only 1% of them end up divorced. So you take that 50% where 50% of people end divorced, and it says if, if a couple seeks God individually and they seek God together and they actually make a commitment to pray for each other and, and pray actually together with your spouse on a consistent basis, that fewer than 1% of those couples will end in divorce. You want to fail-proof your marriage, you need to seek God. You want to be close with your spouse, you need to pray together. You need to spend time together seeking God, seeking spiritual things. You may go, well, that's kind of Kyle. We've never prayed like that before. We've never done that. Start simple. Start very simple. Pray that you'll be good parents. Pray that you'll love each other. You know, just keep it simple, but seek God together. Matthew 6, 33 says, if we seek first the kingdom of his righteousness, all these things will be given to you as well. We have to make a commitment first and foremost to seek God individually and together. Secondly, if you want to fail-proof your marriage, the second thing you need to do is you need to fight fair. That's right. You need to fight fair. What am I saying here? What is this? You are going to fight. If you're married, you're going to fight. Can I get an amen to that? You're just going to fight. You are going to fight. But the thing you got to ask yourself, are you fighting in your marriage or are you fighting for your marriage? I think that's the big difference is that we say, you know what, we're going to fight, we're going to get along, but most of all, I'm going to fight for my marriage. How many of you have ever fought about something with your spouse that's very insignificant when, it, when it's all said and done, right? You invest a lot of time and energy into this, and you, if you're anything like me, you're competitive and you just want to win the argument. That's what it becomes about more than anything else. So you fight about things that are in, insignificant. And Jess and I, believe it or not, yes, that your pastor, I fight with my wife. 
we fight. We fight about sometimes big things. We fight about little things. Sometimes my pride gets the best of me, and sometimes her pride gets the best of her, and we fight. We get at each other about certain things, and, and especially when you have small children, and, you know, just as we show the video, and it's like, you know, it's your turn to change his poopy diaper. I did it earlier, and, and then she comes back and says, well, I change them all week while you're gone. I'm, I, you know, if we're keeping count, I got way more than you, right? You get into insignificant things where it's like, well, I'll fight about changing a diaper that takes me two minutes, and it, I really should just do it anyway, right? And, and so we fight about those things. But if we're going to fight, we have to make sure we fight fair. And so when it comes to your relationship, if you want to make sure that you have an argument that is meaningful, that comes to a resolution, you need to, first of all, is you need to stop and listen carefully. When, it, when you have an argument, when you get in a fight, just make sure that you stop for a second. Just stop in the middle of it. All right, I'm going to stop. Take a deep breath, count to three, whatever it is, and you listen to one another. Not, you know, my, my big thing is an argument. Why Jess is giving me her thing, I'm not listening to anything that she says. I'm thinking about my comeback already, right? Any of you like that? Like, I'm getting ammunition here. I'm reloading the gun. I'm coming out firing. You know, you think you're going to win this, you got another thing coming. And that's not how we should be, okay? We need to just stop and actually listen to what's going on. James 1.9 says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you all must be quick to listen. Say quick. Quick to listen and slow to speak. Slow to get angry. So what should you do in a fight? What we want to do is we want to be quick to speak. I'm going to speak my mind. I'm going to tell you what's going on. It says, no, 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 no. That's not going to be a fair fight. You need to be slow to speak, quick to listen. So you need to stop in here. Proverbs 18, 2 says, A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. I don't know about you, but I find myself being a fool sometimes when it comes to fighting in my marriage. So you need to make sure that you stop and listen. Then you need to guard your words faithfully. Proverbs 21, 23, Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut. Proverbs is coming straight out and telling you the wisest thing to do. Men, how many of you could say, I need to listen to this a little bit more often, right? I know I do. Just keep your mouth shut. Just watch your mouth. Don't say anything. And it says you will stay out of trouble. You want to stay out of trouble in your marriage? Just be quiet. Just listen. That's all women want. They just want to be heard. They just want you to listen. So just listen. Take a deep breath. Think about it. Is it really that important? We need to fight fair. Guard your words faithfully because once they come out, you can't bring them back, right? How many of you have ever said something as soon as it's out, you're like reeling it back in like, oh, that's not going to land well, you know? Fighting fair. Make sure that we're listening, that we're guarding what we say because healthy couples will fight, but healthy couples fight fair for a resolution and unhealthy couples fight dirty for victory. They'll fight dirty. They'll say things that they don't mean, you know, rude and, 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 and just trying to, to, trying to win the argument. I just want to win. Instead of saying, you know what, this is obviously an issue, so let's fight fair so we can bring resolution to this, so we'll be better as a couple, so we can move forward together. Healthy couples fight fair for resolution. Dirty couples fight for victory. I know as a kid, you know, you play football and those kind of things. I can remember, 
you know, when it comes to fighting fair, you know, you kind of have like some man code when you fight. And we were playing backyard football, and I scored a touchdown. I was doing my touchdown dance, and I spiked the ball. I went to spike the ball. Yeah, I was like eight or nine, and I spiked it, and it, and it hit this guy like right in the chest, like under his chin or something. So he got mad. He tackled me, and we're fighting. And, of course, you know, my, my awesome friends, they broke us up immediately. No, they gathered around. They were like, yeah, 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 you know, cheering on the fight. We're fighting. And all of a sudden, you know, I, I, was, I was eliminated from the fight because he hit below the belt. And that's man code, right? You don't do that in a fight unless you're going to die. You don't hit below the belt. So he wasn't fighting fair, and it ended the fight in a bad way. And when it comes to your relationship, you have to fight. You're going to fight, but you have to fight fair so that the fight ends the right way. So I have a little few rules for fighting fair, okay? You guys want my rules for fighting fair? First of all is this. Never call names. Very simple. Never call names. Never call them out. Never call them something because in the middle of a fight, you don't mean it. Number two, never raise your voice. Never raise your voice. That doesn't lead anywhere good, right? When you start yelling and just keep calm. Again, stop, be slow to speak, quick to listen, take deep breaths. Number, number three is this, and this is a big one for Jess. Never get historical. And she's not here today. She's homesick with our kids, so I can just kind of go off on her a little bit. But but never get historical. And what I mean by that is never bring up stuff from the past, okay? I, Jess and I instituted a rule in our relationship. You have 48 hours to air any grievance you have against me. After 48 hours, it could be no longer held against me in the court of Kyle. It just, it's gone. You can't, you can't bring it back up. She needs time to process, and I was like, okay, you need to think about some things. You need to do that. You have 48 hours, but what Jess will do is she will do something. I'll go, babe, why'd you do that? Why would you do that? And she'll go, well, five and a half weeks ago, you did the same thing. I'll be like, well, you didn't tell me that that upset you. You didn't tell me that, you know, so you can't get historical. You got to make sure that you keep it in the presence. Don't bring up stuff from the past. Never say never or Always. Never make that generalization. You always do this because it's not true. You never do what I ask you to do. Not true. Never bring that up. That's not going to lead the fight anywhere. Number, the, uh, whatever we're on, five here. Never threaten divorce. When you're a Christian couple, you've made that commitment. You never say, if you don't change, I'll just leave. I'll end this thing. Let's just get divorced. Let's just call it quits. Not an option. And the last rule here is never quote your pastor during a fight. Ever. Don't drag me into your mess, all right? You deal with your own stuff. Some of you, I've married you off. I've done your premarital counseling. I've invested a lot on the front end to make it go good. Never bring me back into your fight. Is that a good rule? I think it's a great rule. Don't ever, you know, bring up the podcast, you know, hey, relationship status, right here it is. Did you not hear? Were you not listening that day? You never always fight fair. Fight fair. Fight for resolution, not fighting for victory. Ephesians 4, 26 through 27 says, in your anger, do not sin. So it says you are going to get angry, but how to keep your anger from winning is this. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. When you go to bed angry, and that should be the last rule there, never go to bed mad. Justin and I got into something a couple weeks ago and I was kind of holding on to it and it was getting late, and she was getting ready for bed, and I was sitting there, and my pride was there, and I was just like, you know what, I'm not saying sorry, I'm just, you know, we, we, we kind of, it was over, the fight was over, but I was just like, you know, I'm not going to do it, she's like, all right, I'm going to go to bed, and, and I was like, hey, hey, 
I'm sorry, I got a little crazy earlier. I'm sorry I overreacted, and I apologize. And, and I was gonna, thought she was going to say, you know, I'm sorry too. I love you. Good night. She was like, okay, I forgive you. And I was like, oh, my <laughs> gosh. I knew I shouldn't have said sorry, you know, but that's where you get. But I knew she was going to bed. I didn't want to, and I knew that scripture where I don't want that to fester because if you give the devil just a little bit, right, the next day you wake up, it's bigger. It's more of an issue. She never said sorry. He never said sorry to me. I can't believe that. And it becomes something, something insignificant, a small amount, just a simple, I'm sorry, forgive me, ends it. Never let the sun go down. Why are you so angry? Don't go to bed mad. And if you do that, I think you'll be happier. So you have to seek God together, and that's the most important thing for marriage. Pray together. The, the statistics drop drastically when you spend time seeking God together. You have to make sure that you fight fair, follow rules, take time to breathe, count the three, whatever you got to do before you react. And the third thing here is to have a fail-proof marriage. You have to have fun. Have fun. Enjoy it. You don't fall in love with people that you don't have fun with. Some of you go, I've been married a long time. We don't really have fun anymore. Our marriage isn't that fun. Well, maybe you need, just as you, if you want something different in your relationship, if you want something you've never had before in your marriage, you have to do something you've never done. If you want what you once had, you need to do what you once did. So whenever it was fun, whenever you had fun together, when you were dating, when you were courting, when you were pursuing, whatever it is, get back to that. You have to do the things that you used to do to keep your marriage fun. What happened, you might say? Well, it used to be fun, but it's not anymore. What happens? It's called life, right? It's called work. It's called kids, right? Kids can end any good marriage in a second. That's just what happens. It's life. You have to deal with it, but you have to make sure if you want what you once had, that you do what you once did, that you spend time together making sure that you have fun. How do you do that? First thing you need to do is you need to have date days. And you always hear about date nights. I would say you need to have date days. This is where you actually play, where you do things fun together, hang out, shopping, mini golf, a movie, watch her movie. You know, Jake was giving my brother-in-law a hard time because he went and saw like some love movie. I don't even know what it was. It's, it's out right now, Endless Love for their Valentine's Day. And, you know, he was getting you know, kind of attacked on Facebook. Oh, I can't believe you saw that movie. And Carrie said, Jake, that's why you're single, you know. Uh, <laughs> and, so, and so you need to do that. You need to, you need to watch her movies. Ladies, you need to watch his sports. You need to do those things together. You shouldn't just, you know, well, these are my tasks, these are her tasks. No, find things that you both enjoy and do them together. You need to watch her show sometimes. You know, for me, it's Cupcake Wars. It's, you know, Just Loves, those kind of shows. So I'll sit there and watch those with her. And, and she needs to do the same where, you know, there's a, a, a game on, Just doesn't care anything about sports, where you sit there, you watch those things together. You do things together. You know, you always hear couples who pray together stay together. That's true. But I would say this, couples who pray together and play together stay together. Have fun with your spouse. It should be fun. That's a lifelong commitment. You had fun with them at one point because you wouldn't have married them if they weren't fun. Do what you once did and have fun. So you have to have date days. The second thing you need to do is have date nights. This is, this is the intimacy. This is the talking. This is the conversations, you know. I am strictly a headlines type of person, and Jess is all details, right? Jess will go, how was your day? It was great, babe, great day, yeah. How was staff meeting, you know? How's the church, how's the team doing? You know, I'll come home from a meeting for the church. Oh, yeah, what's going to go on? I'm like, oh, it's good, yeah. How's, what's, what are you guys going to do this Sunday? Oh, it's going to be really fun. 
Jess is like, give me detail. You know, and Jess, I'm the opposite. When she, when she, I'm like, hey, babe, how was your day? Oh, it was really good, but here's what happened. Jess, you know, well, Maddox got up, and he had like a little bit of a runny nose, so I was wiping his, why I was wiping his nose, Riley runs in. She does this, does that, and I'm just like, hey, good day or bad day would have been fine for me, you know, like. But that's, the, again, that's the difference, right? That's how different we are. And so we need to, to make sure that we're connecting on an intimate basis that you have to spend time talking, conversation, doing those things. It's the headlines versus the details. Understanding your spouse is holding hands, opening the doors, trying to, to, to win her love again. Men, we are, we are kind of the pursue and conquer type of people where we, we want, you know, hey, I got married, I won, so game over, right? No, it's just, it's just beginning. You have to continue to pursue your wife, continue to date your wife, continue to court her. You need that challenge in your relationship. You need that to say, you know what, I'm going to win my wife's affection. I'm going to win her intimacy. And, and we have to make sure that we do that. Men, you have to continue to pursue. You have to romance your wife. You can't, you know, I always tell you, sex begins a long time before the bedroom, right? You need to romance your wife, continue to pursue, have conversations. But ladies, let me tell you this. If you don't tell us, we don't know, Okay. If you don't tell us, we have no idea. I tell just that all the time. Babe, I, don't, I didn't know that that upset you. I didn't know that that's what you wanted from me. So talk to me. Tell me what you want. Have that conversation together. You know, I heard it said before that my grandpa said, he's like, yeah, I told your grandma that I loved her on the day we got married. If it ever changes, then I'll tell her different, you know. But that's not, that's not going to work. Women want to hear that you love them. You're pursuing them. Send them a text in the middle of the day just to say, I'm thinking about you. Maybe even take it up and go, you know what, I'm praying for you. I knew Jess wasn't feeling well the other day. I knew she had a long day. And I, I, I try to be very intentional about that where I just send her a text and go, babe, I'm praying for you right now that God will give you strength to deal with our kids today. Something that simple to where your wife goes, man, they're think- he's actually thinking about me. He cares about it. Take it back to the way it used to be. And ladies, you got to help us out a bit, okay? Just help us out a little bit. You know, guys are, are making, you know, the, 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 they're making an effort. You know, they're, they're courting you. They're romancing you. Ladies, just make some kind of approach to say, hey, I'm interested, you know? Like, hey, you know, I, I'd love to, to have a little romance in the life, you know? Make some approach. Put something nice on. Give them the look, you know what I mean? Give them, give them the signal again that, hey, I'm interested in taking this somewhere. Because the key in your relationship is, is consistent intimacy is key. It's key. You need to have that time where you're intimate with one another. Beyond conversation, God created sex for marriage. It's a, it's a wonderful thing, and you need to be consistent in that in your marriage. You go, hey, Kyle, it's tough with kids. Amen, I know it's tough, but you know what? Thank God for Dora and DVR because I put a little Dora on. I got, you know, a little Dora and some goldfish. I got 30 minutes, and that's plenty of time. <laughs> Let's go, babe. Go, Diego Gale. Let's go in the room right now. There's time. Make the time. Don't just sit on the couch and go, hey, well, you want to go do it? You know, like that's, that's not going to work. Hey, don't look at me all holy like that. <laughs> you know, people are like, oh, okay. it's real life here, right? I'm trying to help you to have a good marriage. Be consistent in intimacy. Make the effort. Make the challenge. Keep dating your wife. Keep dating your spouse. Ladies, let us know you want that attention. Let us know that you're interested. Keep that going. Seek God together. Make sure that you're fighting fair, that you're having fun, taking that time to, to be with each other, date days, date nights. Do those things to fail-proof your marriage. And the last thing is this. 
to have a fail-proof marriage is this. You have to be committed to never give up. Never give up. You always need to go back to that day where you made that commitment at the altar. And listen, if you're here today and maybe your marriage didn't work and you've been divorced, that's the whole point. From this day forward, and it takes two to make a marriage work, to make any relationship work. Maybe you said, I fought for my marriage, but my partner, my husband, my spouse, whatever it was, they weren't willing to fight with me. And it ended. And I would say this, from this day forward, make a new commitment today that, that my relationship's going forward. Whatever, wherever your marriage is at right now, that you say, from this day forward, I'm making a commitment to never give up. Because it's not an option for us. If you're married, you made this vow a long time ago. You said, until death do us part in sickness and in health, in good times and in bad, when you have money, when you don't have money. We're making a commitment. We're in this together. We're going to fight together. We're never going to give up on our marriage. You've got to have that rocky mindset that no matter how many times you get knocked down, no matter how many times you feel like you failed, you get back up. You keep moving forward. You say, we're never going to give up on our relationship. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, verses 3 through 6, he said, the Pharisees were coming to him. They said, should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Because in the Old Testament, they could. And Jesus said, haven't you read the scriptures? The record, they, they record that from the beginning that God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. The two are united as one, since they are no longer two, but one. Let no one split apart what God has joined together. That's Jesus saying, divorce isn't okay. It should not be an option for us. We should be willing to fight for our marriage. But listen, you don't have to fight as hard for your marriage if you're seeking God together, if you're fighting fair and finding resolution and not just victory, and you're, and you're making sure that you're having fun and you're staying intimate and you're investing in your relationship. Marriage is a, a covenant that we make, not a contract. We talked a little bit about that last week. A, a contract is based on mutual distrust, and a covenant is based on a mutual commitment, that you made a covenant before God, not a, not a contractual agreement that when things don't go well that you can break off the contract. You're making a covenant to say we are committed in this, that it takes both of us willing to fight, willing to make our relationship work. Galatians 6 7 through 9, it says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if we do not give up. If you're fighting for your marriage making that investment, saying, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to continue to fight. The Bible says you will reap what you sow. If you invest into that relationship, if you fight for that relationship in due time, don't give up. Don't, get, don't give up in the middle of the fight because it's going to be tough. But and if you don't give up, you will see a harvest. You will see the change. We don't have the option to give up. You see, you reap what you sow and you reap where you sow. So where are you sowing? Who are you sowing into? Are you sowing more into your career or into your, into your relationship? Are you sowing more into your kids or into your relationship? I'm telling you, parents, the best thing you can do for your kids is to have an awesome marriage. It's the best thing you can do for your kids, to be in love with your spouse, to invest in that, more so than the kids. We have to do that. Invest in your marriage. And you always say, well, the grass is green on the other side, right? But if your grass isn't so green, maybe you should spend a little more time watering it putting some fertilizer down, 
getting some Roundup and spraying the weeds out in your life and saying, this isn't helping my relationship. But too many of us, we go, ah, it's just a contract. Yeah, I'm just going to, it's not working out. I don't, I'm going to bail out on it. And I will say this, is that your marriage will be as good as you decide for it to be. How, what kind of marriage do you want? How good do you want it to be? Make a decision. Make a commitment to say, this is how good it can be. This is how it should be. If you want your wife to love you and to respect you, love and respect her. If you want your husband to, to love you, and love him. Sacrificially, giving of ourselves, putting the other's needs before our own. The Bible is full of great wisdom of being sacrificial in the way we love one another. And when we do that, you will have the respect you will have the love that you want. The band's going to come and we're going to close out today. And, but you might be here and you say, well, Kyle, you don't understand. I'm married to the king of jerks. He's a jerk. And you go, Kyle, yeah, you don't get it, man. I, she's, the, she's the queen of the nags. You know, she's the Proverbs where it says the, that a, a, a nagging wife is like a dripping faucet. You know, that's what I'm living with here. And, and Kyle, I just, I just don't think I, that it can work out. I don't I don't feel like fighting for my marriage the way that you're saying. I don't feel like doing these things. And I hear that all the time, that I don't feel like it. But what other area of your life do you have the luxury to say, when you don't feel like it, you can just quit? What other area? Your kids? I'll tell you, yesterday, my wife was in bed sick all day with the flu. I did not feel like spending the entire day with my kids solo. I can just tell you that. But I didn't get in my car and leave. My kids, my three-year-old, one-year-old by themselves. No matter what I feel like, I have, a, I have an obligation to be a father to my kids, right? I don't always feel like getting up and working and, and, and pushing a, a church plan is, is difficult. I don't always feel like getting here at 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning and setting up. The rest of our staff, but they do it because they've made a commitment to it. I don't always feel like obeying the law and abiding by the rules and regulations that we have. I just sent my taxes in this week. I don't always feel like doing the right thing. But I do the right thing because I know it's the right thing to do. So in any other area of your life, you don't have the option to quit on your marriage when you don't feel like it anymore. You can't quit. God doesn't want you to quit. And you have to get over your feelings. You need to seek God. Not just alone, but together. Praying together, spending time seeking Him. You need to fight fair, fight for resolution, not for victory. You need to make sure that you're having fun, that you are consistent in your date nights and having fun together and in your intimacy. And you need to make a commitment from this day forward, no matter what the past may hold in your relationship, no matter maybe you fought on the way to church today, no matter what happened in the past of your marriage, that you say from this day forward, I'm renewing my vow that I'm going to be committed 100% to make this work.